Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. How you doing, guys? <laughs> Did you miss me? Uh, it's been a while since I've been on. Uh, I got I had to take some time off. I was sick. I got uh, a bad case of bronchitis there, and I lost my voice completely. And uh, quite frankly, I had to do some upgrades to the old uh, computer here because I was having connectivity issues with Skype. So finally, cutting room floor back on track. I can promise you, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, so a quick thank you, as I always do at the top of the show, to Wolf, who acts as my announcer. You can listen to him and his dear wife, Susan, uh, live from the morgue uh, on their podcast uh, every Friday night from 8 o'clock until midnight. I always have fun gate crashing over there. Also, a quick thank you to Michael Cardillo, who wrote my jingle, uh, and to the guys over at uh, Brigade Radio 1, uh, who uh, have got me syndicated out in Los Angeles. I couldn't be happier about that. Uh, so the reason that you're listening to this today, uh, first of all, I'd like to say if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CuttingRoomMRB, or you can hit me up on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash CuttingRoomMRB. Um, so again, the reason that you're listening to this now or downloading it later is, uh, of course, listen to my uh, conversations that I got booked today. Uh, the first half of the show, we've got three great filmmakers, one of which has been on here a few times before, and in the second half, I've got a rock musician, and we're going to be playing some of his stuff as well, so this is going to be a fun one. Uh, but in the first half, we've got uh, Mary J. Patterson uh, and uh, Sophia Waite, who are, are collaborating on a film uh, called Murder on the Loose Leaf. Uh, which is a thesis film for Mary, and uh, it also brings into a collaboration with uh, somebody who's well-known to this show and a good friend of mine, uh, Rosamund Donsa. So I've got all three of them on the line today, and we're going to be talking about this because it's on the crowdfunding trail. So without further ado, the, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes uh, Mary J. Patterson, Sophia Waite, and Rosamund Donsa. How are you doing, ladies? Good. How are you? Good. Better now. <laughs> so... So, yeah, thanks so much for having us on here. So I guess we can sort of just you know jump right into it. What is what exactly is the film about? So the film is a dark comedy satire. It's about a female serial killer that is seeking recognition for her murders once she finds out that the authorities are giving credit to a man for her murders. So. That's the gist of it. So is this a, uh, a short film or a feature? Or a, I guess, uh, you know, what's the format of it? Yeah, it's a short film. Um, we're in pre-production right now. Um, we'll be going into post-production in January, and hopefully it will be released, I believe, in May or June, late May, early June, around that time frame. And, you know, where, where did you come up with this idea as a concept? So, actually, um, Josh Gascon, he's my peer, um, we got together and wanted to collaborate on a script. And then we also had Allison and Sophia collaborate with us. And basically, we sat down for a few hours one day, Josh and I, and we were like, okay, let's think about something that's funny, something that's current. Um, and we just came up with this idea and, you know, we wanted it to be funny and kind of campy and out there. And I think we achieved that. So. And Sophia, what can you tell me about your role as a, uh, a set designer on this? 
So, so all in all, I'm I'm full on production designer of this film. So Mary and I have been working really closely with each other, and kind of the theme that we are trying to set is we're kind of inspired by a John Waters sort of esque feel to where we wanted to really create sort of a 50s idealistic, moralistic kind of world. And I kind of equate it almost to like how in Batman, you have Gotham City, but it's kind of timeless and you don't really know exactly what time period it really is, but it has sort of that 40s-esque kind of feel. So we're, we're really working on trying to get as much of our sets, as much of our photography and our costuming and and all of that, all of those elements to try to reflect that sort of 50s-esque kind of feel. And along with the acting, too, as well, to really camp it up and, like I said, be that John Waters-esque sort of thing. It sounds to me like you're, you're shooting almost for a uh, sort of a film noir kind of parody kind of thing, too. I mean, I'm, I'm, satirical and, and really wanting to be poignant kind of in, in our current state of affairs in where we are as a country right now and really kind of honing in on women's roles and how how equality is such an important thing but really ultimately with our main character being this sort of vigilante serial killer it kind of is showing that really women can be just as evil as men can be no, and it's interesting that you bring that up because you're drawing parallels between, you know, the past and, you know, equality issues. And, of course, you know, the, for lack of a better word, it was a circus of a year in terms of politics down there, right? Yes, absolutely. To put, to put it lightly, yes. <laughs> um, so, so, Rose, I, I can imagine that this kind of plays into your wheelhouse, uh, you know, to, just to bring you into the conversation, because I've interviewed you a few times before, and we, we talked about films like Laundromat and, and things like that that were along the lines of, of film noir. I, I guess, how did you get involved in this project, or, you know, what, what's, your, what's the level of your involvement? Uh, well, Mary gave me the script to read, one of the early drafts of the script, and, uh, and immediately... When I when I read the script, I just enjoyed it so much because I felt like it was so absurd. I actually said to Mary, "This script is absurd," and <laughs> I, I knew right then that I wanted to do it because it's just um, like even though the entire world that we're creating in this film is satirical and and sort of you know just campy and fun, there's some real um, you know some real underground work in the film of, you know, the message that we're communicating of, like, how women are seen in, uh, you know, in a man's world and kind of turning that around and twisting it a little bit. So, so are you acting as producer on it? Or I, I guess what's the level of, uh, you know, what, what you're doing? Are you in it at all? Uh, no. Uh, well, you know, we'll see because sometimes... <laughs> we'll see. I okay, end up, right. I, we need that. <laughs> I, yeah, I get I get roped in, you know, once in a while. But yeah, I I, pref I prefer a producing role, and uh, and yeah, this has just been a lot of fun so far uh, in pre-production. We of course have a lot of work to do, and and we've been working our butts off to get this film off the ground, as you know, you know, from other conversations we've had and how pre-production goes. But um, it's been very enjoyable. I'm I'm really after doing a, a serious, uh, you know, like a dramatic film for my senior thesis, it's a lot of fun to be able to loosen up and do a comedy. And hey, Mary, this is, a, you know, a really important project for you. It's a, it's a benchmark, right? In, in the sense that it's your, your thesis project, right? Yeah. Um, so I made my previous film, Dear Abigail, which was my short media film, which from script to screen was 11 weeks. And this one's my senior thesis, so I actually get, what is it, nine months, I think, to make this film from script to screen, uh, which is a relief. But at the same time, I just made it really hard on myself. So, <laughs> I mean, the fact that we even have a musical number in this film and our cast is pretty large and um, all of the production design that's going into it, I really stepped it up on this one so even though we have more time uh we have 
a lot more work to do, but it's it's been a lot of fun. So, and I, I'm looking forward to, you know, production and post-production and seeing the final product. Okay, so tell me more about the musical number then. This is, uh, you, you got my curiosity uh, peaked here. <laughs> In the end, um, there is a musical number that kind of wraps up the whole story. And uh, our lead, she, the musical number, I guess, happens on live television to basically prove, you know, who she really is. So, I, I mean, I don't want to give it away because it is the end. No spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> but Sophia is actually um, singing and going to be performing in the musical number. So um, we're looking to get the rights of Dream a Little Dream, um, that song. And we're going to be recording our own version and using that as, as the ending song. Okay, that was going to be my next question, whether it was going to be an original piece or whether you were going to do a cover of somebody else's, right? So, yeah, it's kind of actually a combination of both. I've been kind of not only working as production designer, but also as musical director on this film, because Mary is so ambitious and wanting to actually put a musical number in her senior thesis film. But I've been working with a local studio here in Sacramento, J Street Reporters, and they have been so kind to volunteer their time to be able to record all original score that they have put together and have studio musicians working on that for us. Wow. And they will be recording. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been really a really neat experience to be in collaboration with all of those musicians and and I'm I'm a musician first myself and a lead vocalist professionally in the studio and live performing. So, and Mary knows that, so she's like, "Would you be willing to sing on this and perform in this?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, because that's that's my first love." So, yeah, yeah. When I, whenever we go out, you know, we go to karaoke and I make her sing. So <laughs> she's really good. Well, you guys are really, you know, swinging for the fences with this from the sounds of it. I mean, I, I've, you know, you know, just compared to some of the other people that I've had on that were working on thesis films. I mean, this sounds like, you know, pretty aggressive in terms of uh, all the elements that you're trying to pull in. <laughs> aggressive is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to basically push boundaries as much as I can and push myself, you know, because... It, it's a lot to do, and but how am I ever going to get better if I don't keep pushing myself? So it's a challenge, but I'm looking forward to it, and it's scary at the same time, you know? Can we pull this off? But I think with the team we have, I think we'll definitely be able to pull it off. I mean, we've got just about all of our casting done. They're extremely talented. My crew... You know, they're all very talented and professional and hardworking. Um, we've got Aaron Leong, who's uh, the director of photography. He directed Mama Boy. Um, who else do we have? We've got Rose producing. I've got Curtis Corona editing. He's currently working with Fox Studios right now, working on uh, Logan, which is, you know, Wolverine 3 or whatever. So we've got some big-time players on this one. So I'm very excited. Uh, now you're on the crowdfunding trail, right? Um, you know what has that experience been like for you, and and what are you doing with it? So that has fundraising has been the thorn in my side. We <laughs> for, need money. Yeah. <laughs> no. For you need money. I mean, uh, fundraising I've... is just really difficult, <laughs> especially right now. It's you know the holidays. People are you know, buying Christmas gifts, having parties. So it's a difficult time, but um, our budget is just over $14,000. And I had a local fundraiser raise just under 900 with that. Um, our uh, crowdfunding campaign right now is at almost $1,700. So we still need about, you know, 10 grand, 11 grand, somewhere around there. And, um, our first video, campaign video we made, actually went semi-viral. I mean, we got, you know, over a thousand views, which was, like, really nice. Um, so, but it's been a challenge. You know, people are enjoying 
the campaign videos, all the updates and all that. We have a we have an Indiegogo campaign. Um, you can find us there, Murderer on the Loose Leaf. And but you know, it it's it's a challenge. Um, I'm trying everything I can, you know, with local fundraising and then also the crowdfunding stuff. But it looks like you guys have still got a fair amount of time left on this too, right? I mean, you're sitting at roughly, say, 10% of your goal and, and you've got 25 days left, it looks like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we, we still have some time and I think the campaign ends just after Christmas. So I'm hoping, you know, around the closer we are to that holiday, people will feel really giving. <laughs> um but you know, I've got a, I've got, I've got a crew to pay. I've got cast to pay. Um, all of the props and the wardrobe, and plus I gotta feed everybody on set. Yeah, which, we like to eat. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, <laughs> you're working twelve-hour days, so you know you want snacks, you want drinks, you want at least one good, nice, you know, meal um, for twenty to thirty people each day, and we're shooting for nine days. So, you know, it, it it adds up pretty quickly. And we also have kind of in the works plan to stay tuned because we have a couple other little campaign videos that we're that we're looking to add within this next week. A little, couple little sneak peeks and other little things for that are going to showcase kind of our skills within yep. that. Yep. So, what are some of the oh. what what are some of the perks that you're offering for this? That's what I was just about to say. Uh, so some of the perks are um, there. You could get a credit in the film. Uh, you could get a DVD, a poster. Uh, right now we have a featured perk, which is a coffee mug with "Murderer on the Loose Leaf" on it, um, printed on it. Uh, those are limited edition. I only have twelve of them, and that's a thirty thirty-five dollar donation with the shipping cost. Um, so, you know. A lot of people have shown interest in the cup and the perks and stuff, um, but a lot of people have also donated without even claiming any of the perks, which is kind of neat. But our our largest one is executive producer um, title, basically, and that's a $5,000 donation. So, yeah. Uh has this been your first experience during uh, crowdfunding, or have uh, either of you had exposure to this before? I mean, I know Rose has, but... Yeah, I uh, my last film, Dear Abigail, I did an Indiegogo campaign as well. That one, um, I think my goal was 4000 somewhere around there, and uh, just over 1600 um, and that was a 30-day campaign. So this campaign is definitely, you know, trending way better. I mean, we've gotten, uh, we've been number four, number 11 on um, the trending page for films on the Indiegogo site, which has been nice because it gives us some exposure. We've had women in Hollywood share our campaign on their Twitter and Facebook pages. Um We've had female directors, their Twitter account has shared our campaign, um, you know. So we, we're getting the exposure, it's just getting people to actually donate. Okay, know? so uh, tell me more about the Women in Hollywood thing, because I know that that was a, uh, a good piece of press for you, right? Th that they chose you as yeah. one of the crowdfunding picks. So what was that about? Um, it was actually really neat. Rose one day was like, did you see... <laughs> I was a little excited. Yeah, she was really excited. I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Look on Twitter." <laughs> like, so I'll let Rose talk to that. Uh, yes. So I I check I check the Twitter account, uh, you know, religiously, and and you know, to get engage with our with our audience there and see who is talking about the film, obviously. And I saw this link from Women in Hollywood for November's. November 2016 crowdfunding picks and I thought well you know it looks like we're tagged in this so I opened it up to see why and there's an entire article 
on the Women in Hollywood blog that's been around since, I think, 2007. And I, I've been a, a huge fan of the Women in Hollywood blog for, for a while um, because they publish some really great articles there, you know, even about, like, mainstream films and not just not just the, you know, the small little independents like ours, but some mainstream stuff. So for us to get picked up, and I didn't solicit them at all. A lot of the time I'll, I'll reach out and I'll be like, hey, uh, do you mind just giving us a little shout or something like that? But no, they, they found us on their own, and that's why I was so excited. And uh, so I told Mary immediately, and I posted it everywhere. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> I said, no, yeah, well, that, we, ha we have to talk about this. We have to do this. This is great. No, that sounds exactly like out of the Rosamund Dawson playbook. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, I, and, 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 and I say that with every intended respect. I mean, Rosa, you know, I, you have an enthusiasm that's contagious. I, I got to admit that. So. For yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the one question I like to ask, you know, when you're, I'm talking to filmmakers along the scale of you guys, is, uh, do you see the potential to sort of stretch this out and make it into a feature film? I mean, I honestly, to me, it is a feature film, but it is. it's a short okay, version right. because I mean, there's so much to tell with this story and with the characters and, you know, really building them up and having that art for each character. It, it, that's hard to do in any short film. Um, but yeah, I think this could totally be a feature one day, you know, and I, I mean, I would love to see this film, a, a feature version of this film because it could only be that much better and that much funnier. And, you know, so yeah, I would love to see that. Uh, okay, so we have to wrap this up here because I got my next uh, guest dialing in. Mark uh, Brennister is going to be here. Uh, but where can people go to learn more about this or contribute to your crowdfunding campaign? So you can find us on Facebook. You can search Murderer on the Loose Leaf. Um, we have a page there with all of our links. You can find us on Indiegogo. Um, just search murderer on the loose leaf and you'll find our campaign there. So either way you can find us on Facebook or Indiegogo, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Tumblr <laughs> Instagram. So we're everywhere. If you just search, you know, the title of the film. Okay. And uh, Sophia, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? Just stay tuned for some new funny videos. We're going to get some more laughs. <laughs> Well, what can I tell you? It's been uh, a pleasure to meet you both, and, and Rose, certainly it's always fun to catch up with you as well. So, you know, thank you for your time this afternoon, all right? Thank you so much, Casey. Thank you, thank Casey. You, Casey. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay, so I'm going to try right. to get uh, Mark on the line here. Mark, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, how you yeah. doing, buddy? Okay. How are you? So uh, we were just talking with, uh, again, Mary, uh, Jay Patterson, Rosamund Dawson, and Sophia Waite. And uh, what we're going to do, uh, Mark, if you could just put yourself on mute, we're going to take a bit of a commercial break here. Um, we lost the bard up here a couple of weeks ago, Leonard Cohen, the great Leonard Cohen, passed away. And I've been meaning to you know, pay tribute to him on my show. Uh, so I'm not going to play the Hallelujah because I've heard that so many times in the last two weeks. It's going to make me sick. So I'm going to play Closing Time instead. And then we're going to be back uh, to talk with Mark Brannister. All right? Okay, sounds good. It's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up with your host, Jason Hadley. VH1 has announced the starting lineup for their next season of Basketball Wives Los Angeles. Unfortunately, the spin-off show, Basketball Side Pieces, was a complete disaster. The first 45 minutes was just the opening credits. Guns N' Roses stopped their Mexico City concert mid-show, bringing fans on stage to destroy a Donald Trump pinata. Thankfully, there's no need to stuff a Donald Trump pinata, as he's already full of himself. After a misunderstanding during a recent interview, The Walking Dead star Thomas Paine defied rumors, once again confirming his character named Jesus is not gay. 
Now, a 33-year-old single male with sick abs hanging with 12 dudes who all go by their full first names? Well, now that's gay. Hate mail for that last joke can be addressed to the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up, care of your station. And that's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Wrap-Up.
Christ And it's once for the devil And it's once for Christ With a bust on like these dizzy heights We're busted in the blind and Mr. Cohen, chapeau. A life well led and did major marker in popular culture and was a great credit to this city too. Uh, Montreal's own Leonard Cohen passed away a couple of weeks ago at 82 years old and uh, made his marker in popular culture in a number of ways, but uh, of course one of the most covered songs ever in the form of the Hallelujah. So, uh, Mark, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay, how you doing? I'm doing okay, you know, it's uh, cold over here in New Jersey, but that's expected, it is December, so, you know. Oh, you're in New Jersey, I, okay, I thought you were from the New York area. Uh, but... Well, the actual town that I'm from is called West New York, New Jersey. Literally, from my balcony, I'm looking at New York City. I'm a five-minute bus ride away from New York City, it's that close. It's that close, okay, so you're just on the other side of, what, the Hudson River? Or, or... That is that, that's exactly correct. Okay, no, I, 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 you mentioned that you had a, a degree from the um, Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I lived in Connecticut for a little while, so. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, uh, they opened up a school over in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, by Giant Stadium. Uh, Giant Stadium is football, uh, football for, yeah, for those in Canada who don't know who the Giants are. But anyway, uh, I, but that's where I attended, where I learned how to uh, do audio production and recording and... Um, well, that's how I pretty much learned how to, because I recorded my own, I record my own music, so and that's pretty much where I learned how to how to do it. So, for those of you who are just joining, uh, my guest in the second half of the show, of course, is uh, Mark Brenneser. Uh Mark, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Am I? Yes, you oh. got it. You got it right. Okay, yes. great. So he's out of the uh, he's out of New Jersey. He's a uh, do-it-yourself artist who's played guitar for almost thirty years, uh, and taught for uh, about fifteen. And he's got a couple of different CDs, and we're going to be playing a couple of tracks by him uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, so uh, he, Mark also wins the Good Sport Award because last week I got sidelined because I had bronchitis. Uh, so we had to push this back a week, so Mark wins the Good Sport Award. Uh, hey, I had bronchitis uh, about three weeks ago myself, so I totally understand the... Uh it's horrible. You know, you it knocks you. Then you can't do anything. Knocks you, knocks you right on your ass, eh? So, absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, so, without further ado, the coming room floor proudly welcomes for the first time Mark Brannister. Um So, Mark, I, I guess how did you get started as an artist? Uh, you know, you, you, you probably just uh, was being a do-it-yourself artist, but how did you get started? Well, I mean, uh, uh, when I was, I mean, when I was younger, you know, uh, there was a, friends of mine all played instruments. It got me uh, just interested in trying to learn the guitar and within a couple of months I found out that I, I got it I got into it very quickly maybe about a year after that I joined uh, I started joining bands and um, I've always liked the hardcore punk rock ethic of, to, of doing it yourself as opposed to like trying to find a label that'll put your stuff up because for the most part especially nowadays most record labels are obsolete like Everything is done online, and most people sell their own uh, music. And I see, I've seen a lot of artists do that. So I figured, that, you know, I could do it my, literally do it myself, with my punk rock hardcore ethic. So I learned how to record my own music. I played my own instruments. Um, I just would rather do it myself. I've been in bands in and out of years since like the late '80s, early '90s. But uh, as you get older, it's harder to be in a band. And, you know, uh, right now I am uh, studying uh, 
music education to be a music teacher. I'm studying classical guitar, so that kind of takes away from me being in a full-fledged band right at this moment. But again, um, I view myself as I, I, I'm home, I could do it, I write the songs, I record the songs, I play the songs. So you do all of it yourself. I, I didn't realize that. I thought, uh, I mean, that sounded like a, what I was listening to a few of your tracks earlier that, I mean, that was some really heavy sounding stuff. I mean, you're doing all of that on your own? Well, well, th there's two albums. The one album, Take Off, is all me. The, uh, the other, uh, that is more the guitar instrumental album that has the, uh, that album's more varied and more melodic. The Turn the Screws album is... A, a thrash band that I was in that we recorded this album for a label and just the band died out and but those are my songs and that's me on the vocals as well as the guitar uh, and I also understand you mentioned that you're you're taking classes to become an actual teacher right but but do you you also teach right now don't you oh absolutely I mean I have students that you know uh, from the internet or you know just People, whether it's, I have a, uh, as young as 10 years old to uh, 35, 36-year-old students, all of them asking me, you know, different stuff. Some kids want to, some people want to learn how to read music, uh, learn how to play lead. But yes, I have my own students, but I'm actually trying to get a degree in music education so that I can actually teach in the schools. I think it's important that uh, music stays in schools. Like, there's a lot of... Uh, here in the United States, I don't—I know you're from up there in Canada, if I'm correct, but here in the United States, there seems to be a lot of funding taking away from the arts. More music programs are being cut every day here in the United States, and I think it's a shame because, like, without art, like, what, what, are, you, what are you living for? Well, no, and, and and I would agree to that, and and uh, you know, as somebody who has gone through the system myself, I, I can echo that. I mean, I, I was in a band in high school, and uh, I mean, we toured Europe twice, and and you know, thanks to a music teacher who I still look up to, and it maddens me to no end when they say, okay, you know what, you know, science and math is really the are really the most important two subjects, and you know, music and theater, we can kind of cut that. You know, we don't. I mean, you know, these are important to. to people's personalities hey, to, me, to, to me it's all important i'm not saying that science and math isn't hey you got to learn how to count and you should know how the world works but at the same time you know there's nothing wrong with uh going to see plays and listening to music and knowing how to appreciate the arts and it just seems to be taking a uh, a back seat to and it, nothing should be taken education on no level should be taking a backseat to any other subject. No, and, and, I, and I would agree to that. Even my grandfather was a man of science. I mean, he was a pharmacist, and, and um, but he had a heart for music. And, I mean, the, the man could play the piano, you know, better than anybody that I ever heard, right? But, I mean, th there's nothing to say that the two were mutually exclusive, right? Absolutely. So who is... To me, to, me, to me, music is a... a, a it's a you know when you look at a piece of music when you're reading a piece of music that's actually a scientific mathematical diagram of sound waves. So it in is. a way, you know, there is a correlation to science, but most people don't look at it that way. But I I kind of do. So so who are some of your influences then? Who are some of your favorite artists that you've encountered over the years? You know, people that you know people may have known or, or you know some oh, favorite. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm uh, there's a bunch of different. Uh, I'm into a lot of different style of music, but the ones that really impacted me when I was a kid, because I'm 47 years old. Right. Okay, so the first, the first three groups, which are probably still my favorite to, the, to this day, is ACDC, Rush, and the Scorpions. When I was uh, 10 years old, I first heard these groups, and they're the ones that turned me on to rock and roll. Uh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap is the first song to ever blow me away. So uh, as I got older, uh, I started listening to... More of a punk rock stuff like uh, Bad Brains, The Descendants, uh, Screeching Weasel, uh, uh, Minor Threat. Uh, I, I'm really big on that. Uh, once I started playing guitar, which was when I was like 18 years old, uh, 17 years old, because I kind of started late. Most people start young. I started uh, rather late. Um, jazz seemed to. Uh, there was a jazz class. In, North, in, in the high school that I graduated from. And so for a whole year, I had to take a jazz improv class, and it turned me on to people like Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, 
uh, uh, John Coltrane, and I had to learn how to play these songs. And at the time, I was only playing for about a year, so it was like, you know, it, it, it really made an impact on me. So, but nowadays, I listen to a lot of, I mean, I listen to a lot of, uh, I guess, technical pro progressive stuff like the Dillinger Escape Plan and uh, Thank You, Scientist. Uh, but I, I I try to keep my ear focused on a lot of different stuff to, to, to learn. Okay, so we're going to showcase two different pieces, two very different pieces. And I, I listened to all these, the stuff that you sent me, right? But uh, there were two that kind of caught my attention. Uh, the first one is Traffic Jam. So what can you tell us about that when we're going to play this? Okay. Um, well, the thing is just that this is one, the, the album has a, an, a, a car theme to it. Uh, the other songs are called Cruising, Traffic Jam, Idle, uh, Speeding, uh, Exhaust, uh, Driving on E. So this is the second track of the album. I tried, it's, it sounds very busy, and it's just, uh, I, I tried to layer it with a lot of different harmonies and grooves on it, and even some acoustic guitars in it, um, and it just felt like, I just called it traffic, it just it sounds busy to me, and that's why I thought I figured to call that particular piece a traffic jam. Okay, so we're going to play that, and then we'll be back to ask you a couple more questions, all right? Sure, absolutely.
And that was Traffic Jam by the artist himself, uh, Mark uh, J. Brannister, who's on the show today. Wow. Mark, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on and playing the song. No, that, that to me sounded like, a, when I listened to that, I, I'm a bit of a, a video game nerd, and that to me sounded like something that you would hear in a video game. Well, I mean, uh, it, it, that's why I, I feel like it has the vibe, again, of driving, like speeding around and just being caught even the even the at the end section of that song if you hear the beat the beat gradually gets slower and slower till it you know pretty much it's, it's like you're getting stuck in a traffic jam yeah and it sort of taps into the aggravation that one would have you know being stuck in traffic right yes so and again it's very a very busy song if you, you hear the harmonies are all over the place and with the soloing and so that is that. I I I was very proud when I finished that track. I felt it came out uh, rather well. So, what can you tell us about the uh, you know the journey to getting your first solo album out? I mean, I know that you had one put together with a band, but but you know the second one it sounds to me like was a little bit more of a personal effort, right? Okay. Well, well, um, the thing was when I graduated Connecticut School of Broadcasting, they gave me a recording um, program that uh, I had that uh, they gave me that I installed in my computer in my house and I would just record ideas record drum beats and like I, eventually like the the one song I one of the songs that's on the album I I did it and I I started showing it to people and people were like oh my god that sounds amazing that sounds like a like a real album like a really produced well album you should continue doing the songs and after showing enough people and enough people telling me yo you should do it I went yeah why do why not do it so I just pretty much went on this writing kick and um, pretty much within like four or five months I wrote everything played everything recorded everything and and that was it the once the, the the first song on the album uh, which is called cruising is is the is the song that that uh, that uh, that sparked it off. That one I wrote. That song is like maybe like five years old, six years old. Really? Okay. The other one's written all in like in the same in the same time where I you know I got busy and I and I focused and I did it all. So do you like uh, collaborating with people or do you prefer to work on your own? I, I, let me tell you something. The hardest thing about being in a band isn't getting gigs. It's not writing songs. It's keeping a band together. It's having four or five or whatever, how many other people you have. The more people you have, the more complicated it gets. But it's getting all these people who can all meet up at the same time, who all like to do the same type of music, who all want to, who all have the same goals. After a while, you know, it... it the older you get, the more, the harder it is to, again, be in a band. Again, everybody, you know, most people get married, go get, have kids. They, they have jobs. They don't have the time to do it. But uh, for me, it's music is like my religion. Uh, I'm, I've been playing it since I've been playing the guitar since I'm 16 years old. Uh, I haven't stopped. I, and here I am, 47 years old, and now I'm going to school for it. And I'm never going to stop. I'm going to... I'm, I have, a, I'm, right now I'm writing for the next record. I have a bunch of songs under my belt, and all I got to do now is, well, I want to write about, I would like to, I like to have at least 10 songs for each CD that I release. So I need about three more songs, and then the, the recording process starts. So it's like the old adage of, uh, I forget how the expression goes, but a, a true master is always also a student. Right. So, right. I mean, you never stop learning. I mean, if you think you know it all, if you think you, you can't learn. You're, you're, well, that's a defeatist attitude, and I, I do not have a defeatist attitude. Well, no, it, I mean, it gets boring if you don't keep pushing yourself, right? right? I mean, I, I could say the same. I mean, I've done close to 600 episodes of this podcast. If I didn't figure out ways to, to make it different, I mean, hell, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it, right? So... Um, okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to play another one, uh, and this one's uh, a lot different from the first one that we played. What can you? And it's also got a uh, a car theme to it, uh, broken down. So what okay, can, so, um, what can yeah, you? Yeah, the song when you hear it, I mean, 
it, it, it describes also an emotion. Uh, when you hear it, you're going to feel what it sounds like. And it's very depressing. It's very somber. And the, the song only has about two or three chords in it. But the uh, just sometimes simplicity says a lot more. You know, you could say more with less sometimes. And if you just hear, or when you hear the song, you're just going to hear me strumming these two basic chords going back and forth until, like, the, uh, the solo section where I expand it a little bit. It is a simplistic, uh, emotionally draining type song. And when you hear it, it sounds sad. And it sounds like someone who's broken down. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll have a listen to this, and then we'll come back for a couple more questions, all right? Sounds good.
and that was broken down uh, by Mark J. Brannister, who's on the show today. Uh, Mark, it's interesting that you use the word uh, sad or, or depressed because uh, when I was listening to that this morning, I I got a completely different feel from that myself. I, to me, that sounded like a guy who was on the verge of a very important life choice, but he really didn't know where to go. That 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 was the vibe that I got from that one. I I don't know what you would think about that. Oh, um, hey, I mean. The thing is this, art is interpretation. It has, I mean, especially since there's no words on it, whatever that makes you feel, if that's how, if that's how what you felt, hey, good for you. I just know that when I was writing it, uh, I was not in a good state of mind that particular, uh, that particular night, because it was a drunken night too when I was, I was a bit sloshed and turned the thing on and just strummed the... The, that, that whole acoustic thing is just one take. The electric guitar, I overdubbed a different night. So just me strumming those chords on this particular night, I was on a bit of a uh, depressed. So that's that's what I that's how I felt. No, that, and it's uh, it, it shows your range too, right? That that um, you know you're not just hard rock that you can you know record some of the acoustic stuff. And I like doing that when I have musicians on here specifically, just so that people can see how varied they can be. So. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, I uh, the the next record that I'm gonna release is gonna have be more of a uh, alternative. Uh, uh, I don't even know. Uh, I don't I don't know how if anybody out there's ever heard of Jawbreaker. I'm a big fan of Jawbreaker. Uh, that's kind of what the album is gonna sound like, more in that vibe and style. I do want to really. I am. I do have a couple of acoustic songs that I do want to release a full acoustic album. Where there's no electric on it, just acoustic drums and bass. So yeah, I mean, I have plans on, and I agree. Uh, even just the variety on the album, with the, the takeoff album with the with the guitar instrumentals. If you listen to the whole record, all every song is pretty much different from each other. So we we have to tie this up because I uh, I'm running out of time here, Mark. But where can people go to learn more about what you're doing? Oh, I mean, uh, if you. You could just Google my name and uh, the, uh, my I have plenty of other uh, sites, ReverbNation.com, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Google+, uh, my, uh, my, seed, uh, my music is for sale on uh, many digital, uh, it's all digital download, I do not sell hard copies as a DIY artist, it's a lot more cost effective to have people download it, CDBaby.com, uh, iTunes, and uh, and I'm on Facebook, so if anybody out there, if you please look under the music page, musician Mark J. Brennister, add me, feel free. I'm always updating my sites and uh, ReverbNation.com. Again, search Mark J. Brennister in your search engine, and everything will pop up. And uh, just for the record, just to make it a little bit easier for you guys to find them, it's Brennister with two N's, by the way. So uh, we'll just put that out there. So uh, Mark, anything to say before we uh, kind of tie this up? No, I want to say thank you for letting me have on, and when I release the next record, uh, I will make sure to give you, uh, I will send you some new songs. Okay, I appreciate it, Mark. This was a lot of fun, and again, thanks for your patience, all right? Okay, thank you very much. Okay, so that's going to about do it for me. I'm going to be back next week. Again, on behalf of my guests, uh, Mary J. Patterson, Rosamund Dances, Sophia Wake, and Mark J. Brannister, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. I'll talk to you guys next Sunday. Cut, print, wrap, and I am done. Hey, you know. That was another edition of The Cutting Room Floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.